Welcome to the Question Community Broadcast. The Question is a new disruptive community that provides a gathering place for those who wonder about our complex selves, our complex world, our complex universe. We are a non-religious and inclusive community that explores the many questions surrounding truth in order to encourage you on the important journey to find your own answers. The Question Community gathers every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary, starting at 7. Information on the community is available at our website, www.thequestion.ca. You can also join the community online at our Facebook page, which is The Question, and on Twitter, at TQCom, with two M's. You're now going to hear some highlights from our community gathering, where the question is asked through original arts and music, as well as thought-provoking presentations. This is Frederick Tamagi. Yeah, all love, right? All love. Sweet, sweet love. <laughs> now, it's difficult to even say this phrase without repeating words at least twice, okay? <laughs> Uh, we are inundated, we are overwhelmed, we are irretrievably smitten by thoughts of love. We are made willing and vulnerable to the images, words, and expressions of love in the popular media and the day-to-day -day culture that surrounds us. Movies, television, popular music, advertising, social media, food, sports, clothing, uh, many popular and unpopular causes, and so much other stuff have all become a kind of subliminal programming for the modern culture of love. Love really sells. Yeah. Everything from diamonds to diapers to pizzas <laughs> to pet food. Um, more than anything, the material world has discovered something in us. It's either a buried treasure or a ticking time bomb embedded deep, deep in our personal foundations. Regrettably, it's an involuntary response, sometimes quietly seductive, sometimes intensely gratifying, and almost always a confirmation of one of our most powerful vulnerabilities. We are motivated by the possibilities and fantasies that are the promised rewards of the search for love. We are surprised, even shocked sometimes, at the lengths to which we will go to experience what the modern culture of love promises us. Now, on the one hand, we are made to think that the occurrence of love is so natural so ordinary, so human, that we merely need to exist and breathe to eventually claim the right to experience the feeling. And so we wait in anticipation of that moment. At the same time, we are made to believe that the occurrence of love is so special, so extraordinary, so beyond the reach of a mere human, that we must make an extraordinary effort to act, speak, look, and consume in a certain way just to qualify for an experience of the feeling. And so we feverishly search for that moment. We are so driven, even desperate in our considerations of love, that we have gradually widened, but not necessarily deepened, our definition of love. The word love has steadily crept into our everyday vocabulary on such a scale that we now employ the word very liberally. We drop the word love into pretty much all situations, often to describe feelings that even a decade ago we would have been content to use words like like, favor, admire, or even respect. Now, we all have our personal ways of expressing this, but take a moment to think about how often you say 
I love that thing, or I love that person, or that celebrity, or I love that place, or, or I love, well, you know, just fill in the blank. Now, has the meaning of love really become that easy to articulate? Or has its meaning just become more difficult to understand? When we so readily say that we love something, are we just making an effort to be more loving in our words and relationships? Or are we just bypassing the effort that's required to know what it is to be truly loving? Full disclosure, even though I'm speaking about this subject tonight, I too have found myself saying uh, that I love something or I love someone with that same sense of ease and feel-good intention that's become sort of viral in our social interaction today. Now, does it make anyone here uncomfortable to think that the power we've given over to the media-driven cultural love machine might have actually altered the practical meaning of love? Have we ever stopped to think that when we say the words, I love, so freely, we might actually be unsuspecting participants in the gradual death spiral of what those words were originally supposed to mean? Have we literally fallen in love with a manufactured, increasingly meaningless substitute? Put another way, when we say the words, I love, are we defining the modern culture of love, or is it defining us? Do we really understand love? Now, when we're pressed to explain our personal take on love, it's amazing how a subject to which we devote so much personal attention sometimes uh, or suddenly becomes really difficult to explain. Now, I was going to ask for some a volunteer love explainers here in the community to share some of your personal spontaneous definitions of love. But I was overtaken with an attack of mercy. So, <laughs> so instead, I've decided to share a few diverse public definitions to stimulate your questioning lovesick minds. So just quickly, let's read these. Love, love is the strongest force the world possesses, and yet it is the humblest imaginable. Love is a believing creature. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is life, and if you miss love, you miss life. Love works magic. It is the final purpose of the world story, the amen of the universe. True love is like ghosts, which everybody talks about and few have seen. Here's some more. Love does not begin and end the way we seem to think it does. Love is a battle. Love is a war. Love is growing up. I really like this next one. Love is the voice under all, all silences, the hope which has no opposite in fear. The strength so strong, mere force is feebleness. The truth more first than sun, more last than star. Love is the dawn of marriage, and marriage is the sunset of love. <laughs> love is a serious mental disease. Love is the ability and willingness to allow those that you care for to be what they choose for themselves without any insistence that they satisfy you. Okay, now, did you find yourself privately giving each love quote a personal truth rating? Okay, depending on your own experiences, right, or wishes or dreams about love. It's a small clue to an important question, by the way. It's a very basic question, really, about the alleged existence of love. Now, is it some kind of encompassing, pre-existing truth, alive and independent of us? 
or is it, as culture and the media have given us to believe, only as true as we choose to define it, and only as real as we choose to express it? If we were given centuries to explore and explain the nature of love, I'm sure we too could come up with some equally colorful and eloquent words. But under pressure, many of us would move to a safer default response that sounds something like this. What is love? I'll know it when I see it. Now, that's generally a pretty great answer because for most of us, the recognition of love is very, very personal, right? Would you agree? In fact, without trying to be stealth spiritual, it's possible that recognizing love is supposed to be deeply personal because it requires an inspiration from an inner self that somehow knows what love is and which only we can hear. So no disrespect intended to, intended to anyone who wants to say, I'll know it when I see it. Uh, because again, full disclosure, I myself have said that very thing on more than one occasion. But uh, considering this subject for tonight and this particular answer to the question, my new default response sounds something like this. Really? Do we really know what, what love is when we see it? Now, I need to stop uh, for a moment here and state for the record that this presentation uh, is not meant to focus on anyone's romantic life. And I'm not attempting to assume the role of relationship therapist or community love guru. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna criticize, judge, or worst of all, attempt to guide you. Okay, you're safe. In your personal journey with the sublime state of love. In fact, I wrote this presentation to be less about the state of love, which is about what we feel, and more about the idea of love, which is all about what we think. Because as we all know, when it comes to the questions of love, thinking is more important than feeling, right? Yeah, I didn't get a lot of uh, nodding heads on that one. Thinking is more important than feeling when it comes to love. Besides, it's completely likely that some of you feel that you're actually doing a pretty good job navigating the whole love thing. Thank you very much and perhaps feel that you have things more or less sorted out. It's also just as likely that some of you feel that navigating the whole love thing is a problem, possibly because you once thought you had it sorted out. You thought that you'd figured out love and captured the lightning in a bottle that our popular culture hawks like an Old West medicine chill. But then you found out, unfortunately, that lightning cannot be put in a bottle. Okay, possibly because it's lightning. Our intense cultural conditioning has partially succeeded in formalizing the concept of love into a convenient, multi-purpose positivity exercise that we can casually use every day with everyone. The manufactured images and sounds of love that we consume so intensely follow a tried and true formula based on some genius social engineer ad executive strategy, exploiting our most profound human vulnerabilities. And if the formula for love is as straightforward as we're told, then why not manufacture love, bottle love, and sell it like the simple cure-all we all imagine it to be? Why not? Well, I'll tell you why. Again, because it's lightning, okay? Now just hold that thought for the moment, and let's talk about the alleged formulas for love that are supposed to help us understand, validate, and even judge what is and what is not love. Maybe we really can know it when we see it. This is Joanna Drummond. So I'm going to start by singing a song from my Mother's Day album. I released an album called Songs for Mother's Day last year. 
And it's just a collection of songs about the experience of what it's like to raise children. And this one is about the quintessential experience of motherhood, having your child wake you up in the middle of the night. It's called 4 a.m. Waking. i uh -huh. 
Okay, now formulas, by definition, are organized, often mathematical and always logical. In fact, formulas are governed by logic, what philosophers call conditional logic. The conditional logic of any formula is basically this. If you combine or connect specific ingredients in a specific manner, then the outcome is both predictable and consistent. Formulas are all about logic. Uh, formulas are about the words, if and then. Much of our practical life is governed by formulas and we enjoy a certain degree of security from the principle of if, then. So if you go into a bank and withdraw money using your bank card, then you're a customer. But if you go into a bank and withdraw money using someone else's bank card, then you're a criminal. Formulas that employ the if-then principle help us, sorry? No, true. Formulas that employ the if-then principle help us apply a comfortable simplicity to an uncomfortably complex world. And I think that's why we're so attracted, if I can use that word, to the idea of a love formula in our culture. It struck me as I casually made up the bank example to illustrate conditional logic, how the optics of the two formulas are so similar. Now, to a casual observer, customer and criminal could appear to be the same. The difference is only evident in the different outcomes but the outcome of one formula is pure, and the outcome of the other formula is corrupt. Now just hold that thought for a moment, and allow me to share some of our cultural formulas that should lead to an outcome of love. Now, by the way, uh, when I was looking up these formulas, I was shocked at, at just how much creative energy we have devoted to supporting the uh, if-then driven logic of love. As you read this brief list of our creative formulas for love, think about the bank card examples and the possibility of purity or corruption. If you want to love me now, then you have to learn to love my past because the struggles I went through yesterday made me who I am today. If you love someone, you must be prepared to set them free. That's a famous one, right? If you truly love someone, then the only thing you want is for them to be happy, even if it is never with you. Right? That's a great formula. If someone makes you miserable more than they make you happy, it doesn't matter how much you love them, you need to let them go. Hmm. If you make a choice that intentionally hurts someone you love, then you don't know what love is. If you really love me, then you would fight for me and not with me. I wouldn't need to explain over and over how you hurt me. If you really love me, then you would want to make things right, not prove that you are right. I hear somebody laughing. Why are you laughing? Okay. Well, it, it is kind of... It's, it's true. It's like imposing a condition on somebody else that, isn't, that, that you don't have to live with, right? Yeah. But it's amazing when someone wrote that formula, Right? They really believed that, that it really worked, that it really meant this is the, the meaning of love, right? Here's some more. If you focus completely on the things you love, then you're on your way to a beautiful life. If you are not doing things that you love, then your life is not worth living. If you have never lost your sanity, then you have never been in love. If you aren't willing to forgive someone, then you don't truly love them. If God, this is, this is a favorite one here, if God is all-powerful, if God is all-loving, then why is there suffering? Okay, once again, I can feel everyone assigning their personal truth rating to each if-then formula. 
And without attempting to confirm or deny any of the love formulas, including a whole bunch of others that we won't have time to rate, I need to ask this question. If these eloquent formulas for the understanding of love are correct and pure, then why do I feel like such a failure as a participant in the experiment? Why do I feel like I've been using someone else's bank card? Now, let's revisit the formulas, shall we? So, I'm just gonna confess to you. I have judged the paths of people I claim to love, okay? I have tried to deny freedom to people I claim to love. I'm not sure if I ever wanted someone I claimed to love to be so happy that I didn't care that they weren't with me, okay? I've gone through long stretches where I was more miserable than happy, but I didn't let the one I claimed to love just go. I guess I don't know what love is because I have intentionally hurt someone I claim to love way more than once. I have fought with and not always for someone I claim to love. Uh, I have expended incredible energy trying to prove that I was right instead of making things right with one I claim to love. Uh, is it even possible to focus completely on the things that I love? Does that mean that I'm unable to have a beautiful life? Now, certainly I've been able to do many things that I love, but also many things that I have not loved. Now, in spite of frequently breaking this rule of love, I have continued to live life as if it was worth it. I hope to never lose my sanity, but I hold on to the conviction that the expression of love is perhaps the most sane thing I can do. I have struggled with forgiving someone I claim to love, perhaps because I was more concerned with how I was loved rather than how I loved. But it was the struggle that taught me that. I won't argue for the existence of an all-powerful, all-loving God to anyone in the Christian community, but I will ask why the responsibility for suffering in the world is all on God and not on us. The question that I'm asking here is whether or not we can be misled or even duped in our understanding of love through this kind of simplistic if-then proposition. Popular culture and the materialist complex have presented this love proposition to us, but ironically, they never warn us that the proposition is a setup for failure. Now, the notion that we fail to understand love because we can't afford a romantic sandals holiday, or because we don't have a perfect family, or because our bodies are normal size, might seem like an obvious conspiracy disguised as a promise. And yet, we still regularly chase the formula, don't we? We chase, we grasp, we spend our treasure, millions of us, holding on to a semi-irrational hope that the formula is not corrupt, but pure. Now, there are those of us who think we're more sophisticated or more alert to the mass message that uh, love is lifestyle, and so we feel more secure in our understanding of love. And yet, we respond to these more personal if-then formulas with our falsehood filter more or less turned off. This is because we generally don't and probably shouldn't believe that there's any conspiracy at work when someone, perhaps just like us, is truly inspired to write a powerful if-then formula for love like this one. But strangely, after self-assessing my own personal outcomes from some of these beautiful love formulas, I was brought to a small epiphany, uh, which I think is worth sharing. Okay, the epiphany was caution. Caution to avoid the trap of any simple formula for the meaning of love, whether they be exotic and obvious like a Caribbean love excursion or poetic and subtle like a wise quotation. 
or an emotional song. And I'm a songwriter. There's quite a few songwriters in this room. Caution to remember that not achieving the expected outcome of any formula for love is not our failure to understand love, but possibly just a failed formula. Caution to resist the temptation of thinking that we can simply put lightning in a bottle. Now, I wonder if we're somehow meant to fail at that. This is part one of this presentation. Part two will be continued in the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in joining the Question community, we meet every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary starting at 7. You can participate in the online discussion on our Facebook page, which is The Question, or on Twitter at TQCom. That's at T-Q-C-O-M-M. Our website is www.thequestion.ca. Thanks again for listening, and remember that our answers are only possible because of our questions.